Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray that you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That little passage of Scripture that I read, and the account also is in Luke, about Jesus taking a handful of his disciples and heading up to this mountain. A lot of people don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. It's just like one of those stories from the Bible about Jesus. But what does it mean to us? Why is it important? And how do we reconcile that to the church today? The quick, real fast synopsis of where we have been in our journey over the past about a month or so. And I'd mentioned before that when you look at Jesus' life from the time that he's born at Christmas, presentation, at the temple at eight days, and then everything about him, you know, very little about him. We know that the wise men came, and then they headed to Egypt, and then after that, you don't hear anything for the longest time till he's like around 12 years of age. You have a little brief glimpse of Jesus at the temple dumbfounding the scholars, and then we don't hear another thing for another 21 years, or 20-some-odd years, literally, when Jesus is mentioned again, his mother's still around, and we know that, and we pick up this strange narrative about a wedding in a place called Cana, and they ran out of wine. Now, Jesus' mother had figured out who this son really is. She knew, and said, son, is there anything you can do to help them being out of wine? And, and his answer is rather interesting woman it's not yet my time but in deference to his earthly mother he said well go ahead and get all these clay pots these are really big things and fill them with water and then call the wine steward and we then learned that you dip in it was some pretty good wine and the wine steward said normally at a feast like this they put out the good wine first and when everyone's had their fill then we bring out the ripple and ginger ale stuff, you know, whatever you want to call it today. Because they don't care at that point. And then the story disappears. And the next thing, Jesus appears to John the Baptist. He comes out of the wilderness. He had spent time away getting ready for this ministry. We know that he went out to the wilderness to pray for 40 days. That's where the idea of 40 days of Lent came from where he fasted in the wilderness and prepared for what he was about to do in his journey. And he comes before John the Baptist. He is then baptized. And the first 
word from above saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we followed the journey of Jesus going around the lake, picking up all these characters that ended up being his disciples. He didn't choose the scholars. He didn't choose the most elite of his day in the temple. No, he chose a fisherman, a hated tax collector, and a bunch of assorted other good old boys and people that nobody really cared about and made that his inner circle. And the most probably... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not, I don't want to use the word vile. It's not a good description. But let's say the most animated among them, Peter, became one of his closest. Peter had a, a mouth and an attitude, and he sometimes spoke before he thought. And yet that's the one that Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Uh, and Peter, who denied him three times, Peter, I mean, the same Peter that is such a troublemaker, he made, he made a leader. But now we're up there on this mountain. And they, these guys, if, if you ever get a chance to watch the series, The Chosen, it's, it, it really gives you kind of a good feel of what it may have really been like in reality to these people of the day. They didn't quite understand who Jesus was, but his teaching was rather different. And the miracles in his pathway were really Hard to explain. This is no magician. There's something going on here. And he takes them up to this mountaintop. And they're used to doing some strange things because Jesus asked and they figured out later. Uh, here's another one of these episodes. And Jesus steps away from them and all of a sudden, the Bible uses the word transfigured. In other words, he starts to glow. He starts to shine with brightness and all of a sudden appears with him Moses and Elijah or as it you that some or it can be translated Elias or Elijah same thing. The, two of these great prophets of old are standing there, "Hey Jesus, how are you doing?" "Well, how are you doing, Moses? Good to see you again." I mean, they're having a conversation. And these disciples are like in the brightness, "What is going on here?" The one guy that knew how to do some building I want to build three little homes up here. We're going to move up here, man. We want to be with this. And as fast as all that transpired, that transfiguration, and Jesus illuminated and just bright before the world, revealing, yeah, I'm not your ordinary dude here, folks. He's up there talking with Elijah and Moses. And the fact that the disciples could recognize who they were is rather telling too. Holy Spirit can be a great teacher and said, you know who he's talking to. That's Moses over there and that's Elijah over there. You heard about them in your Torah. And they were astounded. And then this voice comes, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Poof, and it was over. Everything's back to normal. Jesus looks like he did right before he stepped away from them and walks back to them and says, now, you don't talk about this to anybody until after the resurrection. If you continue on in Mark's gospel, the next question was the disciples murmured among themselves, what is a resurrection? They had no idea what was yet to come. Remember, 
The disciples at that time, they knew this guy had power. They knew this guy could do things. They knew this guy had could do miracles. And the miracle that all the Jews of that age were praying for was one thing. Get rid of the Romans. Give us our land back without these heathenistic creatures taxing us to death, putting us to death in some cases, making our lives miserable as slaves. They just wanted an earthly freedom. They wanted to be taken out of an earthly bondage. And they never understood the sin bondage. They never understood who Jesus really was. Jesus was not your earthly general. He was not your army. He was not your new king to take care of the Romans and establish things the way they were back in the glory days of David or Solomon. Not at all. He had a much different purpose. And I think this is where so many get off the rails. It is true that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. It is true that he is coming again. It is true he will come in the clouds in glory. And as the ancient creeds say, to come to judge the quick, meaning those that are still alive and the dead. He is all those things. But most important, in spite of all the glory the disciples saw, being blinded, the Bible uses a term in the, in the Old Testament called Shekinah glory. Just a brightness that will blind you. They were almost blinded by the light. That's an old song from the 70s, I think, blinded by the light. Yeah, somebody else remembers it too. I mentioned to somebody it was a lot easier being in my 20s and the 70s than being in my se hitting 70 in the 20s. But it is what it is. Jesus revealed himself briefly to his disciples. And what's amazing to me, and this is where I want to kind of wind it up today. How many of us can have our doubts? How many of us sometimes don't understand? And how many of us fail to get the perspective? All of us. I'll answer the question real quick. Here are the ones that walked with Jesus in his light. Boy, they saw those, saw the light. They saw his miracles. They saw people raised from the dead. They saw the blind eyes open. The deaf could hear. The dumb could speak. Demons popping out everywhere at his command. And they saw him crucified and then risen again among them. And they still had their doubts. The Bible records it, in spite of what they saw. It took, it really took Pentecost to ever get their minds right. Remember that great line from Coolahan Luke, you got to get your mind right. And that's kind of what the disciples finally needed. They had to get their mind right. In spite of all that they saw, they were missing one ingredient. And Jesus explained that before he left. I will send you the comforter that will teach you all things and empower you, my disciples, my church. And that is what the, what the church lacks today, I think, is being empowered by the Holy Spirit.
to answer the calling that God has on your life, your life, your life, my life. I thought about this yesterday, and I used this line in the message that I preached to that crowd. And as I gave the charge to my friend, I said I was thinking about today's message. And an old hymn, and you, you heard the line in the, in the gospel reading, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here. Thy glory fills this place." Final thought. When we are in this place, whether two or three are gathered in his name, he is amongst us. His Holy Spirit dwells here among us. "'Tis good, Lord, to be here. Your glory fills this place." Oh, it's nice to be in churches, and I have been in many where there's the crowd and you're packed and they're standing in the aisles. I've had that privilege. And yet, as I pointed out in the text that I shared yesterday, for the message came from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, talking about the great falling away that has to come. The Bible predicts. Last statistic. And think about this. I, I saw a map that appeared last night in my feed from a source that I know is a good one that did a poll on those that call themselves evangelical Christians. And what percentage of these evangelical Christians, these are self-proclaimed, I'm a Bible-believing evangelical Christian, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I have been baptized, you know, the, the, the whole thing. What percentage, and it showed state by state by state, how many of those self-proclaimed evangelical Christians are in church today? What would you guess in the state of Virginia? 11%. 89% stayed home today. Florida, it is slightly better. 12%. New York... It's 6%. The Dakotas are kind of strange. North Dakota is 10%. South Dakota is 23%. Go figure. The adjacent states. Nevada, 4%. I remember that one, or maybe 5 But they were all... North Dakota was the best at 20%. Alabama was like 16, South Carolina 17, Georgia 15. You know, they were all the self-proclaimed have fallen away. That's what the Bible says. We're here for a purpose, and sometimes it's not easy. I can tell you that we've had this discussion was doing this even worth it? And then the answer always comes in the night, yeah, it absolutely is. And I know that as we increase our outreach, the people that need to be here are going to hear the message and be here. As God calls us. You've been listening to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. 
that is trinitychapelvirginia.com. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel.